You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. And today we continue our three-part special feature on the Cortez Natural Food Co-op, in which I'm interviewing Mary Lavelle and Amy Robertson, respectively the general manager and the board chair of the co-op. In part two yesterday, we talked about some of the more challenging aspects of running a small retail grocery business on a small two-ferry island in a tourism economy. Ferries, transport costs, power outages, housing shortage. In this third and final episode, we'll return to some of the things that make the co-op not just your average retail grocery store. In particular, its web of relationships with the surrounding community, including other businesses on the island. So maybe we should start with local growers, because one of the store's signature offerings is fresh local produce grown right here on the island. We make quite an effort to get as much local produce in as we can, and there are, I think, three bigger farms that supply us. Big Fur Farm, Linnea Farm, and Wildflower, Sarah's Farm. And Hazel, our produce buyer, works hard together with the farmers to figure out who's who's growing what and make it equitable of what she will buy from them because often, of course, everyone's lettuce is ready at the same time and so on. There's a big effort to get the local produce in. It's a great seller. Everyone loves it. We're all just waiting for it to come in. And along with the, the produce, we also support other island vendors, artists with consignment. And I pulled the numbers on what we paid out to local produce and other vendors, and it's $150,000 last year that went from the co-op directly into the hands of islanders for their products. And do you think there's room for even more of that? I think there is, only just because we had a we had a grower on the board one year, and she really did focus on working with our produce manager to network with what was being grown on the island or produced, whether it was the eggs from Blue Jay Farm or stuff from Linnea Farm, Big Fur Farm, in addition to smaller growers. And I remember one year when we did about $170,000 in local product. So there is room to grow for that. It's a lot of around communication because it's hard to predict when your product is going to be ready and yeah. who you're going to be competing with. But I mean, we have the farmer's market as well. So people aren't limited to buying, you know, supporting locals just through the co-op. But it's been nice to see a lot more people growing a lot more food on the island. Yeah, so the farmers all have their outlets, whether it's the guild or the markets or other ways that they are selling their produce besides selling it to us. But we we certainly will keep that as a a focus for us, is bringing in as much as we can. There was one year, and I forget now which year it was, but I seem to remember Eric telling me that in that year... A larger percentage of our fresh produce aisle was locally grown than any other co-op in Canada. And I think it was mm, 2018, maybe 2017. I can't remember now, but I remember we were pretty proud of it at the time. 
Yeah, and it it also depends how the year goes for the farm, the particular farm, whether they have a lot to to sell to us or less of that particular thing. How how was the crop? How was the weather? It was a bit of a tough year for the farmers last year. So do you see that as part of the co-op's mission, actually, um, supporting local agriculture, making more local food available, maybe challenging a little bit the conventional model of uh, super long-haul food in all of our grocery stores? Yeah, I think we've expanded our offering, our local offerings, to include products from greater British Columbia. Like we have salt spring cheeses, we have cider from off-island crackers and a whole section over in the deli room of of products that are BC made. Actually, we could look at that another way and say that the co-op is not just offering the consumers some items that are more local, but it's also encouraging micro-business on the island, the, the growers, the crafters, and so on. It seems like the co-op aspires to be a kind of hub for micro-enterprise. And while we're on that subject, maybe we can talk a little about the property and the fact that the co-op has a couple of commercial tenants also, so it's hosting other businesses on the land. Well, the co-op has the benefit of, of owning the land that it's on. Granted, we have a mortgage that we're paying on, but we've been able to support local businesses. We've got Marnie's Bookstore, We've got the Harbor Authority and Massage Therapist on the property that are our tenants. And so we have a small but steady income from those three and quite a bit of land to consider how we want to grow it and continue to support entrepreneurs and and small business owners that would be able to bring their own infrastructure and, and locate themselves right there in the heart of Manson's. Yeah, I think that, you know, we have this piece of land and there is definitely potential for us to bring more micro businesses, small businesses in and be part of our hub. (laughs) Yeah, become part of the downtown Manson scene. So what are you doing with that land uh, right now? You have a bookstore, you have a massage therapist, you have the Hakai office. Uh, Is there anything else going on? We have a community garden space, and that's open to any islander who wants to come and rent a little plot. It's a lovely, a lovely spot to go and hang out and have our, our lunch nearby and watch everything grow. So, and behind that is a, a fairly empty field, which used to have people living in it way back in the day when I first got to the island and has had a, a few different, what would you call it? Incarnations. Incarnations. A few different incarnations down there. At the moment, it's waiting for the next. We do have some beautiful drawings done years ago with different ideas for the space. And one of them was to populate it with more local businesses. That really makes me think of the little cluster of micro-businesses near the Hornby Co-op on Hornby Island. It's a real tourist draw. There's a taco bar, ice cream, various tchotchke shops. I'm not sure what they call it, but it's like um like a rustic micro mall for local micro business. And I think it's all on the Hornby Co-op property. I'm I'm not sure. But do you imagine something like that could be in our co-op's future? 
Yeah, I mean, there are a number of businesses that are missing from the island in general. A bike shop, I think, would do really well. We used to have a bike shop in the basement of the co-op years ago. Annie Belcourt had a little artisan shop that did really well. So it would be nice to be able to bring more businesses in and and then we all benefit when it when there's more activity. I know that the co-op does really well on a Friday when the market is going and even though there's food and other items that could be seen to be in competition with what we offer, it actually just brings more people to the core and there's more revenue for everyone. So that's actually quite interesting because at Friday market there are people selling fresh bread and selling produce and selling some walk away with it food. I mean, yeah, I would think it would be competitive, and yet you're saying the co-op actually does a better trade on those days. We do. We do better. So people will go and and buy from all their favorite folks up at the market, and then they'll come down to the co-op and get what they like there and pick up their groceries and get their mail and do all the things. So the more the merrier. Do you have any exciting plans for the coming year? Because uh, speaking of gathering downtown and and being merrier, I know the Bakery Cafe was really popular before the COVID hammer fell on us. It was a happening place and people miss it. Are there post-COVID or, well, somewhat post-COVID plans for that space? There are. That room is under, definitely under consideration for, for change. And we do hear from quite a few members that they would like to have their cafe back. We know at this time that going back to a purely cafe model is not sustainable for us. So we're looking at different ideas and we're very much in the planning stage. We're making our drawings and figuring out floor plans and seeing what would work, trying to incorporate what everyone would like to see. And we'll see how we, where we get. You can be sure within the next few months there will be some changes to that room. What they are at this point, we're not quite settled on. Yeah, and one of the things that we're in competition with is finding a cook for the wage that we're able to offer because places like Hollyhock and the Float House are catering to summer spenders, and so they're producing a $30, $40 meal that we couldn't provide. We're looking at a much lower price point of the food that we're hoping to deliver to our community, and so we just don't generate the same income that these higher-end restaurants are. Well, we're bringing back pizza nights. We did one in December, hoping for one by the end of January, but maybe people aren't ready till February. It's it's post-holiday. So anything else particularly on your mind for 2023? Anything on the radar? So being a member co-op, I think as members we have a responsibility to ensure the strength of the business. And one of the biggest challenges that we face going into this summer is our refrigeration. And the bottom line is, is that co-op doesn't have a lot of capital to spend on, on some of this infrastructure stuff. Yeah, we talked about that a little earlier, how Almost all the profits uh, go to wages or employee quality of life or get reinvested in the business in the form of repairs. I guess the piggy bank's not that big. It is so unpredictable how we are going to end the year, which has prevented us from having a contingency fund. And that's unfortunate because we are also kind of hand to mouth. And if there is more food to go around, we spread it around in the community and to our staff and our members 
and not set it aside for a rainy day and it's starting to rain now. Yeah. So we will be doing a capital campaign and calling on our members to support us and help with their own food security. And so we're really hoping that our members can toss in some some financial support and do some of the serious upgrades that we really need to get done before the summer. So the board has a special meeting this week to look at what these costs are that we need to incur to ensure that we're going to have frozen food, refrigerated food, heating and cooling for the building. And we will be letting the public know. We'll probably have some posters up in addition to our newsletter. And we can look at the history of the co-op and how our membership pitched in on securing the land and remind them that it's just as important to ensure that the the building and the infrastructure stays strong. So much work was done by the board and by Eric Hargraves, a past manager. And when I review all of the things that happened, it just is huge. It's huge what was accomplished. And all of this stuff was put in place, but we have to remember that everything has a life span. And now we're at the time that we have to look at replacing and renewing and making sure that we don't fall behind and that we keep everything going that's been put in place. And that is what we need to do next. Well, I also hope that the membership will respond and and invest in their co-op because um, that's a member co-op. It belongs to all of us members. Um, is there anything else that members can do to to help the co-op in, in what you've said is likely to be a, a somewhat lean year for the store? There are a number of places that we can save more. One is if we can continue to encourage our members to not use their Visa card. Every time somebody uses their Visa card or their MasterCard or American Express card at the co-op, it costs us money. And last year we spent almost $20,000 in fees to the credit card companies, which is shocking if we could think of where that else that money could have been better spent. It's over $30,000. Mary, could you say that again, please? Um, A little louder? So our actual cost for credit cards, debit cards, all those going through is above $30,000 per year. And I know it's higher this year because we we had a meltdown of one of our payment machines in the deli in the height of summer, and it would no longer take debit cards, so more people were pulling out their credit cards. So those fees actually went a little higher this year. Thirty grand a year, just poof, straight off to the banks, just taking their cut of every single credit card transaction. Cheapers. That's half our refrigeration upgrade. Yeah, the credit card companies charge and then they give some of that money they charge the stores and they give some of that money back to the individual using the card but there are the more i had to deal with this as i as as i went into getting new new payment terminals in the co-op is there are many entities out there taking a small chunk of our money every time a card is used so it's it's quite incredible it's a crazy world <laughs> i know it's like vampires all the way down. Everyone gets a bit and we lose a bit. And we do maintain a cash machine just so that people can actually go back to the old way of paying real money for things. So there is that opportunity for people to access 
dollars and come spend them inside the store versus creating a situation where we're paying these crazy credit card fees. So did I hear you right back there that those annual bank charges would actually be a significant chunk of the money the co-op needs to fix its troubled refrigeration systems? It's about half. So so our current estimates at moving our replacing and moving our HVAC is about $60,000. So the bank charges the co-op paid in just one year would have paid for half of that. Yeah. Ow. Yep. Just out. Yeah. And while we n- we'll never claw all of that back because, you know, there are always debit cards and so on. They, they, the debit cards have much lower fees. So we never, we never think we'll claw all that back, but we could, we could bring it down substantially. The other thing people can do and lean into as members is that they can pay down money onto their accounts. Now, when you get an account, you get a $50 credit on your account so you can come in and buy your bread and you don't have to have your wallet and everything's fine. And then you can make your one-time payment and we only get one set of fees. So that's also nice. But on top of that, if you decide to take all the money you're going to spend that month and you put it down on your account, that helps us. It helps with our cash flow and you get the benefit of just coming in and charging And not needing to remember your wallet or your credit card or anything. Just walk down to the co-op and take some food home. One of the other things that we're looking at is possibly developing a co-op currency to take the place of of gift cards. Because actually gift cards also cost us money in the end. So just really digging deeper into the finances and looking where we can save a bit here, save a bit there, and it'll all add up. Well, that's about it for this episode. We should really wrap this up at this point. Any parting thoughts that you'd like to offer to our listeners? We're blessed with a with an excellent and very supportive board and excellent staff. So that's that's why you get such a great experience when you come in the co-op. There's a huge amount of thought and staff, board, management are always considering the community. That is one of the factors that we always consider in in our decision-making is our community. And I think that's part of what makes us so special. Well, that concludes our three-part series on the Cortez Natural Food Co-op. And I would like again to thank Amy Robertson and Mary Lavelle for taking the time to be interviewed. And if you missed any of the parts or would just like to hear any of it again, you can always listen to Cortez Currents radio broadcasts in podcast form on our website at cortezcurrents.ca. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. As always, thanks for listening.